What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another edition of Wolfpack Mentality Podcast. You're joining us for episode six. Today, we have a very special guest. We have WMBF natural pro bodybuilder, founder of Cutting Edge Physiques, sponsored PE science athlete, and a good friend of mine, Chris Elkins. Hey, thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate uh, being on here and getting a chance to chat. For sure, for sure. How are you doing? You know, did you have a good weekend? You know, what all? What all do you? You know, you do anything eventful? Uh, yeah. So it was a uh, Fourth of July weekend. Um, just had a little barbecue at the house. Uh, didn't go out to see fireworks, uh, which was kind of a bummer. But um, yeah, I thought they were all canceled. But then we went to the backyard, and there was like fireworks going up everywhere. So uh, apparently, a lot of people were did did have some fireworks this weekend. But um, we just kept it pretty low key. Had a good weekend with family. How about you? Kind of just played a lot of video games <laughs> you know i've been playing <laughs> playing cod a lot recently <laughs> yeah what are you yeah. playing warzone yeah warzone uh do you play uh i've played a few times i i'm really not too big into battle royale like i used to play tons of uh the original modern warfare modern warfare 2 yeah. black ops but uh mainly like you know just team deathmatch and just like jump in you know jump yeah, in a few sure. games but i back in the day like i don't know like right when i was getting out of the marines 2008 i think uh, I was playing tons of Modern Warfare with a bunch of friends. And, you know, when, when your friends aren't playing, it's like, it's it's so much less fun, you know? Yeah. Less I engaging. I agree. Uh, recently, I've actually was able to rekindle, you know, a lot of a lot of friendships and everything over, over COD. You know, it's like, let's squad up, let's play. And, you know, yeah. just talk to some friends from middle school and things. Uh, but no, that's cool. So you, uh, so you were in the Marines, uh, was around 2008? Uh, yeah, I got out in 2008. So it was just right when I was getting out that, uh, I remember buying an Xbox 360 and, uh, like Call of Duty had just came out that holiday season, like that November or whatever. Which, and, uh, uh, which one? I think it was 2007 probably. Cause it was, uh, it was the first Modern Warfare. It was Call of Duty 4. Oh, okay. The best yeah. one. Yeah. yeah it, 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 I mean, it was the original, the OG. Yeah. And then, um, I don't know, Modern Warfare 2 was almost even better. Like, I remember playing the campaign and character dies and I'm like, what the hell? I just like, <laughs> actually dies in the game. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's so, so many memories. That's it's crazy that that's uh, like 12 years ago now. Time like just flies. Yeah. So, so how long did you, you know, serve in the Marines? I was in for five years. So I got in in 2003. Um, I did one tour in Iraq and then uh, it was a five-year contract. So I got out in 2008. Okay. Uh, yeah. It was a great experience. I learned, uh, you know, like, so much i feel like in a way it kind of fast forward in my life like you know sometimes people will they'll get out of high school they'll go to college they'll you know take four or five years and get a degree but then still maybe not really even know what they want to do with their life so for sure the marines uh you get a job and you're done with that school in six months to a year depending or less depending on what your job is um i was in electronics so i calibrated electronic test and measurement equipment and then um so i did that in the marines and then when i got out i just I, you know, transitioned straight into a civilian version of the same job. And then I just focused on moving up uh, at the company that I was at. And uh, all at the same time, um, it was around 2011 or 12. So I had been already doing the job as a civilian for like five years to got, or four years. I got out in 2008. So um, I started getting into bodybuilding and um, I, I like, I was really just on YouTube and I wanted to know like how to look better. I was like 27. I didn't have really um any anything competitive going on in my life and I was like man I want to do something that is going to like really challenge me and um I've been out of the Marines four or five years already and I had done some like indoor rock climbing but I wasn't like that I was good but I wasn't great and I wanted to get something that would 
uh, give me the same type of challenge as indoor rock climbing because I had just broken my, uh, I think it was this, this finger and I'd had oh. surgery on it. So I couldn't climb for a while. So I got on YouTube and I literally found uh, a, like the, the list. It was funny how it went. So I found like Kino body, uh, Grego Gallagher and the whole like, um, you know, like the Hollywood looking physique where they only train like three days a week. And it was like, I was like, okay, well, this is cool. But like, well, I can't only do something three days a week. I need to, I need to be more busy than that. Yeah. And then I found uh, the Hodge Twins channel. And then I found Matt Ogus's YouTube channel. And then I found, it was 2012 at the time, but I found his 2011 uh, Matt versus series where he did a contest prep. And I was like, sure. what is natural bodybuilding? Like, I didn't even know that was a thing. I thought you had to be like 250 pounds, that you had to look like, uh, like I knew who Ronnie Coleman was. Yeah. So I thought you had to look like Ronnie Coleman or Jay Cutler or um, Kai Green you know, or like, one yeah, of yeah. Well, I didn't even know who they were. Yeah. I just knew of like the people that were super famous, you know? And, uh, and then when I, I saw there was natural bodybuilding and there was a guy that was like almost same height as me, almost same size as me. I was like, yo, what, why can't I do this? I could do this. So yeah. I literally just started training and then I hired the same coaches that he hired. And then literally like uh, the rest is history. Like I did four shows the next year and I uh, kind of just fell in love with the whole process, the, the, the grind and the whole mentality. Wow. Yeah. Four, four shows is a lot. Um, in, in one year, that's crazy. Um, uh, what, what, um, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that they influence you, you know, to get started in bodybuilding and everything. Cause it's funny. Cause you're actually one of the people that inspired me to kind of start documenting my story and to like, keep going like uh, with my fitness journey. Um, it was crazy. I, I've seen, you know, I would see you, um, I don't know, like Christian, Christian Fleener. Uh, oh yeah. I just, I just hung out with him a couple weeks ago. Did you? That's cool. He, yeah. Yeah. We, we, we've, um, we met, for the first time we, we've known each other online for years but then we met for the first time in hawaii in march and then we hung out in vegas like uh three weeks ago nice yeah and, and like matt cool. august and all you guys like the what, what was what was your uh the name back then oh it was uh legends of aesthetics legends of aesthetics yeah yeah, yeah. so that was, that was cool and like it's crazy um like because i was following you and then when i got that follow back i was like man this is cool <laughs> like i made it dude <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i mean we so we met at the gym in uh in tampa i think it's uh powerhouse right so that's the name of yep. it yeah powerhouse yeah so when, i mean i like to follow everyone back but i if i meet you in person and we like you know we're cool and we connect i definitely want to but like i'm not like one of those people like oh, no, i can't follow so you know what i mean like, <laughs> yeah no it was cool because it was a good you know good interaction that i appreciated uh because you know like grow, you know, go grow on my page and everything. I feel like I've met a lot of people, and then some some people who have larger followings, they're not as receptive and everything. So that's cool that you keep you know that level-headed and like positive mindset and everything. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate. It. I feel like I, we can all like grow together. You know, there's no like, uh, I can't. There's no competition for me when it comes to like uh, hanging out, and following people, or like you know putting people on. Like I, I know I've shared some of your stuff too. Yeah, you know, some of your your posts and stories and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. <laughs> and yeah. uh, what, now what actually got you, you know, started on your, your fitness journey? Like, did you, how, how did um, your relationship with PE science, you know, with any of those sponsors and all that stuff, you know, what got you started back when Instagram was a, a smaller platform? Yeah. I mean, I, I started pretty early on Instagram, but there wasn't a ton of traction in the beginning because I, my physique wasn't like a pro level or anything at the time. Like when I started, I was like pretty, pretty thin. I was like, uh, walked around in between anywhere between 135 and 145 at uh, five, six. Like I, you know, I had a decent build and I felt like I had good potential, 
but I had, but I really hadn't been lifting consistently that long. So I just started documenting the process. And then I think there was a lot of like things that, that was like the perfect storm where um, I started to, to get bigger, better, like start to grow my physique, you know, just more time uh, training and then um, get some experience competing. And then um, I, I saw like the way the algorithm was working and like what kind of posts did really well. And all of a sudden, um, a few of my posts just happened to go viral. Like one of the first ones that really took off was that Pokemon Go post I made uh, in 2016. And that's when like Instagram was really uh, pushing memes and posts and like uh, infographics and stuff. All, all that transformation pictures, all those were like super popular at the time. And so I remember I had about 15, I had, took forever, like five years, but I had got up to 15,000 followers and I had already become a pro actually in, uh, in, um, bodybuilding the WMBF and that didn't really grow my page much at all like I thought oh yeah my social media is gonna blow up once I get my pro card and uh it, it did grow a little bit but not like you would think you know and so it's all about content it's all about consistency and definitely some luck and some collaboration and stuff too so um I remember I posted that meme and it got like 15,000 likes which is the same amount of followers that I had at the time in like uh, a few hours and I was like whoa this is like crazy virus and I clicked on my my tag post and the entire thing was just people reposting that that one meme and I was like oh my god and I gained like 5,000 followers um in the weekend and then yeah. from there I was like kind of like on the radar for these pages that used to share a bunch of people's content and they just started sharing a lot of my my stuff and you know a lot of the visual transformations of myself that I was posting like I had surgery in 2014 so I had gotten kind of out of shape and because I couldn't train or do anything and then I um, won my pro card less like just right about a year later after having the surgery. And uh, it was a pretty cool visual transformation. And that went viral uh, a bunch of times. And so that really just kind of catapulted my, uh, my Instagram following. And so I think I went from between 15 and 20,000 to hundred K in um, just a few months. And then um, P science hit me up. Uh, Gymshark was a lot more like I had already been working with Gymshark, but more just like, um, I would do expos and I would help them like sell and set up the booth and stuff. So I had a working relationship with them and I was friends with the owners. Um, but it, but it wasn't like, uh, Oh, we want you to be an athlete type of thing. But once I, I knew and I had, there was no like hard feelings about them not making me an athlete or anything. I didn't have the following, I didn't have the following. So I completely understood like it's a, a business thing, but once my following grew, you know, then they approached me to, to be a gym truck athlete as well. And, uh, yeah, we, I mean, that was a great relationship too. And I'm still with P science, not with Gymshark now, but uh, I learned a lot and, you know, continue to, to grow. And um, I'm at like around 320,000 now. And it, and it, you know, it's a, it's hard to grow on Instagram these days. You definitely have to be putting out, you know, putting a lot of time and effort into your content uh, if you want to grow, because there's, everything's so saturated. You know, the, the platform has been out now almost 10 years and, uh, everybody, there's so many people out there and so many accounts. It's, it's hard to stand out. Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like there's, uh, so many accounts and so many people out there, you know, just putting out the same information or yeah. sharing and re regurgitating a lot of it. Um, so what, what, uh, makes you stand out is the effort and the time that you put into like researching everything. Um, mm -hmm. so definitely, you know, with you having cutting edge physiques, uh, you know, you have your eBooks with max hype and everything you've done your research and all um, kind of take us through some of your background and, and how you got to um, moving from being a competitor um, into being basically, you know, an entrepreneur and, and running, you know, everything from there. 
Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like when I think back, I'm like, man, it's pretty surreal to 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 know that I went from just like a, an amateur novice, like guy that was just working out, looking for workouts on YouTube to, you know, I've coached like probably about 2000 people now. And that's like wow. pretty crazy to think like, man, that's like, and it's just a, you know, four or five years that this has really happened. And so I remember, um, you know, I hired uh, 3DMJ, the same coaching group that was, had coached Matt in that 2011 conference. I hired them at the very end of 2012 and I did the four shows in 2013. And during that, um, that whole contest prep process, it was about a, a six month long process. I, uh, I learned so much about tracking macros, about my body. Uh, I would, I was working directly with uh, Jeff Alberts was my, my coach from 3DMJ. And um, I remember getting his updates every single week. Like I would send in my, my progress and he would send me back a little video, which is pretty cool. Cause I, I don't know any other coaches that really do that. And um, like, I, I mainly email or um, Facebook messenger Instagram DM or whatever. Like, it's really cool how he sends a, a video. I don't know if he still does that, but that's what he was doing in 2013. And I worked with him again, both in uh, 2015 and 2016. And so um, I remember I would, I would get his, his reply and then I would just do all kinds of research. I was reading um, the muscle and strength pyramid books by Eric Helms. So I was, I was always in forums and stuff. And so I feel like I just learned so much in that year because everything's brand new. You're like so excited about uh, oh, how does the body work? And, but, yeah. But literally, I, I don't have any formal education as far as uh, like, you know, I'm not a NASM certified trainer or uh, I've actually, I've worked the front desk at a gym when I was like 18, when I was, when I had just joined the Marines, I had a side job, but I never, never actually worked at a gym, like as a trainer or anything. And so I was sharing my whole journey, my whole process. And um, I had a really good uh, workout partner where it kept me really accountable. Um, and I remember basically I would teach him everything I knew. And this has happened with like every training partner. And I just feel like that's kind of really helped me because uh, I'm training people. And then once Instagram stories started, I feel like I was doing the same thing. And um, people just started reaching out and they were like, hey, can you train me? And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm not a coach. Like, I can't train you. And they're like, no, like, just show me like what you do. How do you track macros? I don't, I don't understand it. Can you, can you um, calculate my macros for me? And, uh, and that's literally how it started. Um, I was like, well, I mean, I can't do it. I, I could do it, but I know if I do it for free, you're not going to, you're not going to follow. So I remember originally charging one of my friends um, from high school. I charged him 30 bucks a month. And, uh, and then from there, I, people started hitting me up on um, bodybuilding.com, like the misc. I would post all my stuff from my YouTube videos to my Instagram posts. And I remember just feeling like I was a spammer, but I was like, nah, I'm just going to share my stuff, man. If people like it. They like it. If not, you know, they'll delete the post or they'll, you know, they won't care or whatever they'll, or they'll troll me. I, I didn't really care. Um, I was just like hardcore about trying to grow. Cause I knew like I wanted to reach a bigger audience. And um, for some reason I was like, always in my mind that I wanted to, to grow my platform. And so people started hitting me up in the private messages on bodybuilding.com's forum. And um, so I took on a pair of brothers. I remember it and I charged them like $40 each a month. And, uh, and they had the craziest transformation. And that was like my first legit, like, they went from um, being like regular looking dudes, about 20% body fat to, to get to like 10 to 12%. And they had six packs, both of them. Oh, and they, they dunked a basketball for the first time because they got so much lighter, you know, and nice. they were like six feet tall. And I was like, man, I wish I could dunk. Hey, that's, a, that's an accomplishment. <laughs> no, right. And then, so, and then from there, I just started. You know, coaching, other, other talents. <laughs> yeah. I, I had like good knowledge of how to, how to use Excel. So I created a spreadsheet kind of based it on 3D and J's, but I didn't want it to look like theirs, you know, so made it, made it like my own version. And uh, just with 
daily weigh-ins, daily macros, workout, cardio, and then I started programming workouts. Um, and then I programmed my own off season after the, uh, the prep. And um, I had Jeff look it over because I was still, he was still my coach at the time. And he was like, yeah, this is good. And so then I, I started writing workouts for other people. And then from there, the rest is history. In 2017, I, um, I just could no longer do my, my corporate day job and my uh, coaching at the same time. It was just too much, too much time and too much work. So I had to quit my day job. And then, so you transitioned over to, you know, just coaching predominantly online, you know, plus getting passive uh, or, you know, because of the eBooks. So you have yeah, that. So then I, it was um, late 2017. It was almost, I think it was, you know, no, it was late 2016. I linked up with Chris Barricat and um, he wrote a training program for me uh, for my off season. Cause I was planning to take all of 2017 off and then um, come back and compete as a pro in 2018. And um, I said, you know, I want something that's like really going to challenge me. That's going to be really difficult because I've already been training now for like six years. So I wanted, I felt like I was in that, you know, advanced stage of lifting finally in my, in my lifting career, you know, as it, as it goes. And um, he uh, created what became Max Hype Extreme. So we, um, I told him, I was like, yo, this program's great. I had my workout partner running it. Matt Ogis lives near me. So he was running it with me. Um, my good friend at the time I was running it and we all loved the program it was super challenging uh high volume high intensity and so we uh I literally told him I was like bro we got to put this together as in with an ebook and we need to sell this because like this is a great program and uh and so we did and um created that literally created max site and then of course there's a lot of people I would say 75 percent of people that follow fitness are still beginners you know because mm -hmm. that's why they're that's why they're following they want to learn so Unfortunately, that program was like so advanced that it wasn't it wasn't any good for beginner to intermediate. It was mainly intermediate to advanced program. So then the the following year we put together Max Hype 101, and then uh, we put Max Hype Elite, and then the Macro Nutrition Guidebook, and um, yeah, and then we we hosted a, a bodybuilding show just uh, late um, 2019. Yeah. Which, uh, I'd like to do that again. That was that was a great experience, but um, with COVID and everything. This year's kind of, yeah, been a yeah little, this year's not the year to do it. But, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, maybe next year I'd like to host another bodybuilding show. Yeah, for sure. Now the Max Hype, um, I think I bought the Max Hype Extreme. That's yeah. a super super awesome program. Lots of lots of volume. Um, my favorite day I would say is shoulders and arms. I I, I was hoping you say that's my favorite too. Dude, it's my favorite. Lots of volume, especially like going from the um you know just like the shoulder press and then the arnold press lots of volume <laughs> oh yeah I'm, you're like so pumped 10 minutes into the workout you're already super pumped yeah 100 100 yeah um an another thing you know because that you touched on which is cool because i posted you know on my story on instagram yesterday and i put up a poll you know people had questions um i guess more so about like the opinions of others and it kind of ties into um, a, one of the last episodes I did about getting started. So when getting started, you know, you're going to have a lot of people that, you know, support you. You're going to have a lot of people that don't support you. You know, there's going to be a lot of people on both sides of the fence. Um, what can you say to those listeners, you know, to give them advice on just getting, getting started, you know, um, and just dealing with the opinions of others, the good opinions and the bad opinions. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. If you let other people's opinions, really get to you it's going to be so hard to even start because no matter how like you could you could already look like a pro bodybuilder 
and someone's going to make fun of you if you're trying to start a, a fitness journey and you try to share it online. People are going to be like, oh, what is this guy doing? He thinks he's important or he thinks anybody cares what he has to say. But uh, everybody starts somewhere, literally. Like, you know, there's there's no one that just starts with a million followers. So there's no one that, you know, is already super fluid on the camera or whatever. Like, it takes time. It takes practice. And uh, if you you literally just have to start. Like, if, if you if this is your goal, or maybe you don't even know if it is your goal, but maybe it's something that you want to try. You have to just try because uh, there's always going to be people that are going to make fun of you. There's going to be people that are going to say like, look at this guy. He's so skinny. He thinks he's going to tell people how to work out. Like these are like common things. I remember in the beginning, people were like, why are you doing this? Like, why are you taking pictures of yourself? Why are you, uh, why are you filming your workouts? And I'm like, well, I want to, I want to, first off, I want to document the process for myself. I've never competed in a bodybuilding show. And, and to me, this is pretty cool. I'll be able to look back like, 10, what if I never do another one? I can look back 10 years from now and be like, man, remember that time I got in the best shape of my life? And uh, and then if I just happen to help other people, then that's great. And so, uh, and then from there, it just kind of evolved to like, well, now my main goal is to help other people. You know, at the time it was more like, I was just documenting my own journey. And, it, and it's still, I still am just documenting my own journey, but I know now like how powerful it is to, to be able to motivate other people, excuse me, motivate other people, inform other people and, uh, entertain too like it's you know it's pretty fun to see someone like completely transform their physique over the course of 12 to 26 weeks or whatever it might be so just start that's like you know you you, you might always think like oh well, I don't have a good enough camera man I started I started on my iPhone 4 like <laughs> literally I started I was taking pics with the iPhone 3G like that's when I that's when I started it was 2011 2012 I started taking pics of iPhone 3G and then I, I recorded it my entire YouTube first series on my on an iPhone 4. So there's literally no excuses. Like you could you could line up a million excuses of why you shouldn't start and why you know people are gonna make fun of you or how it takes a little bit of extra time to set up a tripod or something like that. Like the other the other thing is people are like, well how, how do you vlog in public? Don't aren't people looking at you? And I'm like, yeah you're damn right they're looking at me. I hope they are. <laughs> Cause I'm doing something like, yes, people are definitely looking at me and they're probably thinking, what is this guy doing? But I really don't care. Like you just can't. And I feel like the more you do it, the more you get comfortable with not caring what other people think. Cause you know, you know what you're doing is important to you. And, uh, and most likely it's important to someone else out there too. And like I said, now more than ever, it's so hard to, uh, to grow, but it's not impossible. If you bring something fresh and new, you put time and effort into your content uh you, you know the what do they say the cream of the crop always rises to the top so yep. it's uh you know yep. cream rises to the top yeah <laughs> yeah for sure um no that that kind of ties into the other you know the other aspect you know gym etiquette you said so you don't care you know you don't care when people stare at you no not really i, I mean i try to be i try not to take like you know an hour on one machine trying to record video I'm, i i try to keep it pretty quick but uh you know, everyone's paying their, their, their gym membership and everyone is, uh, there trying to make themselves better or whatever. So I, I feel like, uh, no, nah, I really don't care. Like I try to be respectful, but I'm, I try not to let what people think bother me, you know? Yeah. And how, how did you, um, become so mentally resilient, you know, just, just asking for like the listener, you know, cause it's, yeah. easy, it's easier I, said it's, than done, you know, to it just is like, so, so easier said than done. Yeah. I, I wish I could just say like, well, it's easy not to care. Just don't. But, uh, you know, the thing is you are going to care and you might feel nervous and you might be like holding your, 
you, you might be doing like this, right? Recording something and talking to the camera and you might see, you might like in your peripheral, see people staring at you and you can feel your face getting a little flushed because <laughs> yeah. But the more that you just do it anyway, even though you do care, even though your heart rate starts going up and you're like, oh shit, I'm nervous. Like people are really looking at me. Like if you, the first time you're going to be more nervous than the second time. And then the, the third time you're going to be a little bit less nervous than that, you know, each time you do it, you're going to get more comfortable to eventually you get to a point where you could literally be in the middle of, like, I'm, I'm not saying you should go to Walmart and flex, but I, <laughs> at this point, like, I really don't care. You know what I mean? Like I've gotten <laughs> to the point where it's like no F's given. I, I could go in Walmart and I could literally do a posing routine in the middle of the store and I wouldn't, I wouldn't be too bothered. They might ask me to leave, but you know. Yeah. Or, or put your mask on. Hopefully it's not my main Walmart because <laughs> I buy all my food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I, I like that, you know, that you are you're saying that you shouldn't care because that's kind of the same mentality that I preach as well. Um, and yeah, I, just don't really, like, I don't want people to get held back by their insecurities. And, and that's right. what it really comes down to. Yeah, that's what day, it comes right? like, you know, you, you're insecure because you think people are going to be judging you. And then guess what? They are. And they're always judging you. And everyone is judging people. Um, but you can't let that hold you back from doing something that you want to do or something you want to pursue. And, and at the end of the day, they're going to judge you no matter what. So you just got to keep doing whatever is, you know, going to make you further, you know, move forward further in life. Yeah. A lot of my um, female clients specifically tell me that they're scared to go into the weight room area because they feel everyone is looking at them and they know they're going to do an exercise incorrectly. And, uh, and then they they feel like they're getting judged. And I always tell them like, who cares? Like you, you you're never going to get to where you want to get to if you let that fear hold you back, you know? So yeah. just, you know, set up a little camera, uh, you know, do the exercises or get a friend to film you, get a friend to go with you, you know, cause that's, that always helps, uh, ease those fears too, when you have someone with you and, um, you know, record your form and that, and I'll make adjustments for you about, you know, make sure you're, you're using safe and good form. But at, at the end of the day, you just have to have to get over that fear of people judging you. Yeah. Now you mentioned a little earlier, you know, about not taking too long on equipment. How long is too long on, on a piece of equipment? I don't know. It depends. I mean, I remember when I was, I, I did powerlifting for one year, like maybe actually more like six months. And then I got injured and I would be on a squat rack for like an hour. It felt like, and I feel like that is too long, but it just depends on the gym, right? Like if you're at a, if you're at a like gym, like powerhouse, there's like 10 squat racks. So it's like not a big deal. Right. Um, if, if you're at like a small mom and pop gym and there's one squat rack, then, then it's kind of a different scenario. So I guess you just have to be willing to like either let people work in or um, like Matt, Matt, he's so big on gym etiquette. He, he literally puts everybody's weights back. Even if they don't put them back, he goes up to their machine and puts them back before them. And uh, I think Matt's like putting her weight back and she wasn't even doing her workout. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's like a, there's a happy medium. Um, I usually actually leave a plate on a lot of machines because I know that's what the last person is going to use, you know, but I guess there could be that one person where a plate is too heavy and then I feel bad because I left the weight on. But, you know, I just, I just think if everyone is using the golden rule, you know, treating other people like the way you want to be treated. So like, you don't want to go up and have to like take off 315 off a bench to warm up on. So like, don't do that, obviously, you know, and you don't want to um, have to wait for someone sitting on their phone for like an hour on one piece of equipment. So yeah. don't be that guy that's doing that. So, yeah, I mean, I think it just comes down to that being considerate and courteous. 
And how about, you know, those who are afraid to get work out by themselves? So with you, you know, you do a lot of your coaching online um, and then getting, you know, getting your clients to actually go to the gym. Um, how, how do you motivate them um, and get them to adhere to the program by showing up? Yeah, that's the hardest part. I, me personally, I don't sometimes, and this sounds crazy because, you know, it's like almost 10, what, eight years now of consistent training towards this goal. And literally off and on since I was in high school, I was working out, but I, I still don't like going to the gym by myself. I like having a workout partner because I know if uh, somebody's there waiting for me, I can't let them down. Like, I just feel too bad. Like, I, like, uh, sorry, man, I'm not going to show up. Like, I can't, I feel so bad to say that. So when I know that I have a workout partner there, I know hundred percent, like I'm going to show up. Cause that's, that's the hardest part is, is getting out of the house and getting to the gym. And even with a, you know, since COVID we put a gym in the garage now, like a, um, um, what's it called a Smith machine and, and um, some barbells and dumbbells and stuff. Nice. And I, and I still struggle to get in there and work out because it's like, but I, I prefer going to the gym because I feel like it's a better mindset and environment for me. But I just really like, I, I try to encourage all my um, online clients to, to get a consistent workout partner because there's nothing better for accountability. But again, you got to find one that's consistent that feels the same way that you do, because if that guy, is the one calling you saying, oh, hey, I'm not going to be there. Then you might be like, oh, I'm not going to be there either. You know, so, so someone that, you know, is like super dependable and it's always going to be there on time. And that, and I, I think having a set time to get to the gym is very important too. Like if you have a very flexible schedule or you work from home or whatever, and you're like, oh, today I'll go to the gym at 10 and then tomorrow I'll go at one. And then the next day I'll go at 9 a.m. And then one day I'll go at 7 p.m. I feel like that makes it really easy to be like, Oh, I'm going to go later. I'm going to go later. And then, and then you get tired and you don't go at all. So uh, having a very set schedule, having a set time and really sticking to it, uh, I think really helps uh, like all my best contest preps, all my, all my best um, like weeks and weeks of consistency and not missing days have all been when I was going right at 6am in the morning and, uh, and getting it done and then having the rest of the day to do whatever else I needed to do. I don't have to wait until the end of the day and then be tired and then have a shitty workout. It, not, not don't get me wrong, it does take time to get acclimated to training so early. And then a lot of people always ask me about, well, what about your nutrition in the morning? And I usually just have a banana and some pre-workout. And after, uh, you know, after two weeks, I'd say my body starts getting used to waking up early because I hate waking up early, but um, you know, like I force myself to do it and I just feel so much more productive. By the time it's like 10 a.m., I've already like checked, I've done my workout, I've eaten breakfast, I've checked emails, I've taken a shit. Like, I just feel like I've done so much already, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Definitely, you know, having a, a, a partner to go to the gym with you uh, or someone there, you know, to hold you accountable, that's always going to help you uh, move along to further your goals. Um, who would you say for you, you know, for the listeners that might not know you, who is your support system and, you know, how have they helped you, um, you know, just recently, um, especially with everything that ha has happened with COVID and your injury with last year and things like that. How, how have they helped you um, move forward? Oh yeah. Well, definitely my uh, fiance, Jessica Revelo has like been she, like, we, we prepped together last year um, in November and then uh, we'll compete it in November. And then um, I was going to do worlds uh, WMBF worlds just in New York and that was uh, November, I think it was November 16th. And then it was November 7th. So I was like 10 days out, nine days out from Worlds. I got this like crazy pain in my stomach uh, and I felt super bloated and it, and it persisted for like six hours. And finally, 
I, I called the nurse line and they were like, well, you should, you should come in. It might be your appendix. And so I waited another hour because I just really didn't want to go to the doctor, especially it was like almost midnight at that point. Um, I woke up Jessica and she drove me to the, the hospital. I went to the VA hospital. It was about like 35, 40 minutes away. We get there. They immediately um, send me to a, uh, what's, what is it? CT scan. And they, they say, well, the appendix is not um, inflamed at all. So we're not sure what's wrong with you. Meanwhile, like I'm in like the worst pain of my life, basically. And so I lay down and they, they like feel the doctor comes in, they feel on my stomach and they're like, well, maybe you're just constipated. And I'm like, no, I'm like, I just competed in a bodybuilding show three days ago. I'm like my nutrition and diet, everything is like hundred percent on point. I just won my uh, WMBF physique pro card and then competed as a pro. So I did like two shows back to back. And um, I was like, so excited for worlds. We had the tickets to New York already. Um, We were flying out in like eight days and, um, Anyway, so they kept me overnight. Uh, the next morning, they, they uh, were trying to give me like uh, um, laxatives. They, they gave me like a suppository. It was literally like the worst experience ever. And the whole time I'm like, I, I had a bowel movement this like yesterday morning, like I'm not constipated, but my stomach was in so much pain and I hadn't eaten now in uh, almost 24 hours. And I'm like shred, I'm like 7% body fat. So the, the whole scenario is crazy. And, I, and I'm telling them like, um, I'm a natural bodybuilder just so they don't think like it's like some kind of drugs or steroids. Cause like, I definitely don't look like a normal person, you know, I'm like super, super shredded. I still had spray tan and not, yeah, I still had the spray tan from the show I had just done. And um, anyway, it, it got like almost, it was like five o'clock. So I had almost been 24 hours since having this pain, hadn't eaten uh, in a day and they're like well we have no choice we don't think it's your appendix but we're gonna go in uh, laparoscopically and we're gonna see like you know what's wrong with you so they ended up going in and they found my um, large intestine and my my colon were like flipped and like twisted up and they were all like, so so I was I was in surgery already so I was out like um, Jessica was there waiting the whole time and um, it was supposed to be a 45 minute surgery. If it was my appendix, they would just take it out, close me back up. It'd be two little tiny scars. I wouldn't be able to compete, but it would be like a pretty quick recovery. Like in a month I'd be lifting again. And, um, they came out like three hours later and they, and they tell her, you know, she's just waiting. Like she doesn't know what's going on. And they tell her, well, it's not his appendix. We don't know what it is, uh, but we'll let you know. And then they go back in. And then about an hour later, they like, she's like freaking out. They come back and they, um, they're like, uh, okay, he's okay, you know, he'll be in recovery in the, in the ICU. And um, they end up having to take out like six inches of my uh, large intestine, piece wow. of my colon, and um, the appendix was just attached to that, that section too. And so I have like a huge scar that I'll show you. It's, uh, it's healed up pretty well. It's from like basically my belly button all the way down to my, my pubic area. And uh, so obviously, you know, I didn't get to compete in Worlds, had to cancel my trip and um, yeah. wasn't it's, able it's to lift. It's healed a lot, like since, um, you know, since. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. There was like, I think, 12 staples that they used. Yeah. Yeah, maybe more. I'm, I'm actually going to put up a YouTube video showing the, the surgery. Like I, I just finally, it's almost like a year later, I finally <laughs> caught up to the rest of that content from last year. And um, now I'm going to put up the whole surgery video and everything that happened because I did a decent job of documenting the, the whole thing. And, or Jessica did. And I actually ended up staying in the hospital for six days and they wouldn't, I didn't eat anything for five days straight. Cause they wouldn't let you eat until they know for sure that the, uh, the, the bowels and the surgery they did was, uh, you know, was good to go. Yeah.
Yeah. So if I didn't go in, um, it would have probably like ruptured and I would have been septic and probably been in the hospital for like a month. Um, if you know, or you can die too, if it, if it gets, uh, you know, it like poisons your blood basically. So I, I was lucky that, that I did go in and lucky that I wasn't like traveling or out of the country or whatever when, when this happened. But um, they said it was just genetic. Like my, that section of my intestines were, instead of being like nailed down to the abdominal wall, like it's supposed to be, it was just kind of floating loose. And so it could have happened anytime. Huh. And I was like, man, I'm, I'm like 35 years old. This is why this never happened earlier in my life. And they're like, yeah. it was just completely random. And, uh, and so, yeah, so this year I've, I've actually started contest prep already. Um, I'm a little over a week in and uh, down like three or four pounds. I'm feeling pretty good and nice. um, excited for the, this will be like the comeback, you know? Nice. Nice. Yeah. It's always, you know, turning a negative into a positive, you know, you recovered. Um, what, what are some things that have, you've, you've done, you know, to, to, to overcome, you know, that, adversity um and any other adversities like that you face in your life i believe you said you got injured um previously also yeah i tore my shoulder in 2014 and had um a labrum repair surgery so that was a whole experience that to be honest that was um physically like harder because it was i was out of the gym for six months and um this i was only out of the gym for two months and i had already had this experience of coming back from that surgery so i feel like i already had the right mindset i knew that i needed to be like nice to myself, like not part of myself. So I took the two months of rest and I really um, just kind of focused on other hobbies. I, I played some poker. I actually ended up winning a poker tournament while I was recovering. Nice. Um, yeah. That's so like, I, you know, a lot better. Yeah. That, that definitely made me feel better. Like I, <laughs> I didn't feel like my whole two months of doing nothing was a waste. I, I, um, I played video games. I watched TV shows. I spent time with uh, my kids and um, just tried not to, not to worry about not being physically active because I know that, you know, I had to let my body recover. And then when I got back into the gym, I just, um, I followed the instructions of the doctors and they said, take it really slow, ease back into it. Cause they cut through the abdominal wall. So it'd be very easy to, to rip that and, uh, and, and have a hernia, which would set me back even further. So I don't know, on one hand, sometimes I felt like I took it too easy in the beginning. You know, if I would have known COVID was coming and gyms were going to shut down, I was like, man, maybe I would have went a little harder. Or yeah. Maybe I would have, been more like um on my nutrition because i was pretty lax about the whole thing uh and i just ate whatever i wanted to but i knew also i needed to gain the muscle back that i had lost not not just during prep but during the time where i didn't do anything for two months so um so i wanted to make sure i was in a calorie surplus and then um slowly i just got back to where i was and started like literally the first week i felt like um i was like man i look almost like i did before and then a week later i was like closer and closer and then now I, I really think I've made pretty much a full 100% recovery. And, um, but I mean, I'm not going to say, like, I remember the day I got home from the hospital, I, I um, went to take my first shower since being in the hospital and I um, took off my shirt and I saw like all the staples that were in me and like my, my stuff, everything looked weird and I looked so flat and I hadn't really eaten well in like six days. It was five days, no food. And then they put me on um, liquid calories. And then the very last day I had like some eggs and toast and stuff, but it was like, and it was crazy, you know? And, and I remember I just broke down crying. Like, like I'm, I was supposed to be in worlds in like three days competing for a world championship. And, uh, and I looked the best I had ever looked. And now here I am, like, you know, can barely walk. I literally could barely walk and I couldn't get out of bed. I had to roll onto my side cause I couldn't use my abs at all. It was just crazy. Like, you know, and, and my, physique was uh I, mean, I don't want to say like flawless but it, was, it had no scars i had no like you know what i mean like 
good skin and everything. And then I had this huge scar. So I don't know, it was really mentally tough in the beginning, but then I stopped feeling sorry for myself. And I, I just kicked myself in the butt and said, all right, you're going to chill for two months and then, and then get back to being yourself. Yeah. That's the, the Marines, you know, mentality coming into play, like the resiliency and everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Ne never giving up. Like, I mean, I never even thought about like, Oh, I guess I won't compete ever again. Like, I don't know that was never in my head. I was like, good. from, from day one, I was like, okay, well, it's fine. I'll compete next year. Like, cause I knew like I was in the best shape of my life and I knew that if I could just get back to where I was, then, then I would, you know, be the same, same me. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see how I look on stage with the, the scar, but for men's uh, the board shorts cover most of it. When's your uh, next competition? Uh, so you're, com you're competing soon, correct? Yeah. Uh, I'm 12, 11 and a half weeks out now, as long as it doesn't get canceled, uh, it'll be September 26th in New York. Uh, the show is called the uh, WMBF pro universe. Okay. So you got your uh, swim trunks, you got your, your COVID mask. <laughs> yeah. The, the, I don't know, man. If they're going to make us wear masks on stage, how are they going to see my smile? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe cool show up there like a Mortal Kombat fighter. <laughs> Looking like Sub-Zero. <laughs> there we go. But um, yeah, I talked to a promoter yesterday and she said that uh, she's also the, for this show, she's the promoter and she's the president of the WNBF. And she said, if it does get canceled, they might, uh, or rescheduled, they might push it to October 10th. So, I mean, we're flexible. If anything, that just gives me a little bit more time to, uh, to tighten up and get in shape. But I, I'm doing another show October 17th in Seattle, and then um, probably Boston the first week of November. And then Worlds is in LA this year. They, they bounce back and forth between um, New York and LA every year for Worlds. So this year it's in LA at the uh, third week of November. So now, um, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of new, you know, to the whole like bodybuilding culture and everything. Mm -hmm. uh, so since you qualified for worlds last year, are you competing a few times this year? Cause you have to qualify again. No. You, so you each year you just have to do one pro show to qualify for worlds if you're a pro. Okay. So you gotta, you know, you can't just do just worlds unless you won the year before. I think that's the only uh, stipulation, but uh, I just want to do as many as I can while I'm uh, cause it, it's, it's a lot of effort to get shredded and um so my goal would be to be like at 90-ish to 95% of my best at the first show and then slowly continue to improve and, and then basically like peak for Worlds to be at my absolute all-time best for Worlds. I felt like in 2018, um, that was the last time I did bodybuilding, I, I felt like I looked my best at the uh, second show I did. It was, in, it was in Boston and then Worlds was two weeks later and I felt like I was maybe like one or 2% less good than I was at the Boston show. So. I just want to make sure that each, each show I'm bringing my best up to that point in the season. Yeah. Well, I wish you the best of luck, man. That's going to be a busy rest of the year. Um, it was a little scary last year, you know, with the whole situation. Yeah. This is a weird year competing during COVID. I mean, yeah. that there haven't, there has not been a lot of shows up to this point. I've seen a few on Instagram. Um, the WNBF has a, is, is international. So there was a, uh, show in Taiwan um, in the beginning of June and it went really well like uh, I coached three guys and they, they all looked amazing and uh, so hopefully we can we can do the same here yeah I think we, we you know I think it should be should be good hopefully <laughs> any yeah. uh, any any plans for the weekend or uh, you know we got UFC fight oh, yeah, I'm so excited for this fight uh, you know they just replaced uh, Gilbert Burns in the main event with uh, Jorge Masvidal and uh, I'm, 
I'm a pretty big Masvidal fan, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that fight. I'm, I'm rooting for him, but uh, Kamara Usman is so good, man. Like, I don't so good. We'll see. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be a war. I'm I'm excited for this card. Um, I think they have like three title fights or so. Um, yeah. What, yeah. What are your picks? Let's hear it. All right. So I think Rose. You know, Rose Namahuna. Uh, she's gonna win her comeback fight. Um, yeah, I think so too. She's and, fighting uh, Jessica Andrade, right? Yeah, that's the rematch. Um, and I think Max Holloway. Um, is he's fighting also? He's um, yeah. He he's uh rematching for his title against uh, Volkanovski. I think he'll win. Yeah. Uh, um, I don't know, man. Volkanovski is so good. It, it good. just depends. If Max Holloway comes in, um, like the way he did against um, um, Brian Ortega, if he looks like that version of Max Holloway, then I don't see how he could be beaten by anybody. I mean, he was such a beast in that fight. 100%. The, the one fight um, that I'm not really sure, um, the Peter. Uh, Aldo Yang. and Jan? Yeah. Yeah. Who, who do you have in that fight? I don't know. It could go either way. Uh, Jose Aldo has only had like one other fight at 135 and he lost, right? It was against uh, Marais and he yeah. did great. He looked well, really flat. Well, honestly, uh, that fight, I think he looked better um, than, than his last fight. Um, and I think he actually won that and the judges got it wrong, but I mean. Oh, did he? They had him win. I, I had Marais. Uh, I might be remembering the decision on that fight wrong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Marais won, but like Aldo, I, I feel like he should have won, but. Oh, I mean, really? Okay. Okay. So that, that's one of the close fight. It, it was, uh, it wasn't like one-sided by any means. Yeah. That's one of those yeah. things like where it's subjective, you know, kind of like bodybuilding and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So the, the weird thing about this title fight, you know, because Cejudo vacated, is I don't think either of these guys are really the number one. I don't know. Peter Yan is, is good and he's great. But I just feel like after what we saw two or three weeks ago with the uh, uh, Cody fight, the um, the uh, O'Malley fight. And Dustin Poirier and... Um... No, no, no. All the 135 pounders that uh, compete okay. on that one card. Like, oh. they all had, like, super impressive oh, performances. And I feel like any of those guys could be could be the champion in, in that division. Yeah, I agree. But, yeah, you know, uh, again, I really appreciate you taking the time, you know, to sit and talk with me today. Um, it's always a pleasure. And I wish you the best of luck on, you know, the wedding. Hopefully I get an invite. <laughs> come out to California. You know, I've never been. Oh, um, you haven't been here? No, I've never been to Cali. Oh, you got to come, man. Yeah, it's, it seems like a vibe. I've, I've, I, you know, I grew up up north and then moved straight to to Florida, and I've I've been here ever since. So yeah, definitely have to make my way there. What, so cool. But, well, uh, before we go, what um, who do you got, Masvidal or uh, Usman? That's a tough one. That's a really tough one. I'm gonna. So I'm a big stats guy. Um, you know, I studied economics and everything. Yeah. So logically, I'm gonna go with Kamar Usman. Yeah, I I agree. He's the more well-rounded fighter. Yeah. He um hasn't lost in forever. Uh, he's he's, he's really about to. Um, if he wins, I think he breaks the record for most active uh, wins in a row or whatever. He's got like thirteen yeah. or something. Yeah. Interesting. That's cool. Uh, like I I I didn't know about him, you know, before his fight with uh, Tyron Woodley. Um, mm -hmm. But then you know I watched that fight, watched some of his other fights, and it's like, wow, this guy's you know he's good. He's good on the ground. You know his striking. Yeah, I mean that Kobe fight was super competitive until he started pulling away in the fourth round. And then he just started piecing them up. His uh, stand-up was just so much cleaner than Kobe's. I agree. And the, and the another reason why um, I say Usman over Masvidal because Kobe Covington and and uh, Masvidal they used to be you know roommates. Yeah, they, they hate each other now though. Yeah, they hate each other now. But Kobe Covington used to get the best of Masvidal. 
Yeah, well, I mean – It was back then, though. My, yeah, exactly. Masvidal is not a wrestler, but his takedown defense is really good. Yeah. Uh, if he can – I believe, honestly, if he can stop the takedown, then I think he wins. And if he can land something heavy early, then obviously, you know, he'll win. But it could go either way. He could get dominated. He could literally get grounded and pounded for five rounds, which would be super boring. But, I mean, that's – you know, that's, that's what you have things here i have amazing interviews lined up and some awesome topics to share with all of you thank you thank you so much for tuning in stay tuned week after week i'm gonna bring you amazing content episodes jam-packed with knowledge experiences you know successes and failures that could really benefit you you'll be able to apply to your life and to just keep moving forward again thank you so much for tuning in your love and support means the world as always stay hungry stay humble keep moving forward peace